0: Welcome to Innovative Legal Leadership, the podcast where you'll hear from the world's most innovative general counsel and their leadership teams for their insights into the running of a Fortune 500 in-house legal department. The challenges, the wins, the roadblocks, the journey to date, and most importantly, what lies ahead. Let's get into the show.
1: Hello, listeners, Nathan Collier with you. Today, we have a very special episode featuring a conversation that Jim had with Shannon Klinger. Chief Legal Officer at Moderna during one of our recent webinars. Their topic is ChatGPT in legal: how top GCs and CLOs are embracing the AI revolution. Now, this is this is absolutely one of the hottest topics in legal right now. And as you'll hear, Shannon and her team at Moderna—they're very much early adopters of this uh, AI technology. So, lots of great stories in this one. We had tons of people on this webinar asking lots of great questions. So, excited to share this with you. So, as Jim would say. Sit back, chillax, and enjoy the
0: episode.
2: You're welcome, one and all. My name is Cynthia Loren. I'm the Director of Community here at Pursuit. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to see you. I wanted to quickly do some introductions to our speakers, starting first with Jim Del who's my boss, founder and CEO of Pursuit. Many of you, hopefully, are familiar with Jim, his social media presence our innovative legal leadership podcast, which if you haven't checked it out, please do. But what you might not know is that prior to starting his entrepreneurship journey here at Pursuit, Jim was actually a law firm partner and had a really successful career as a litigator. So Jim, let me hand over to you to say a bit more about yourself and to introduce our special guest today.
0: Thank you very much, Cynthia. Thanks for joining us for what I hope will be really informative just 30 seconds on Pursuit. For those of you who don't know about Pursuit, we're a legal data and intelligence platform that is helping general counsels and their in-house teams engage their law firms in a different way rather than on a time-based model or hourly billing on a value and outcome base. So that's the space that we're in helping you select the right law firms according to the criteria that you've chosen, could be diversity, it could be price, it could be expertise, and also surfacing new choices that you might not have been aware of. One of the fundamental philosophies of pursuit is that time is a poor currency with which to manage your law firm engagements. And I think that's a really good segue into the topic of today, essentially the impact on the in-house team serve artificial intelligence, such as ChatGBT, because you hear one of the themes that Shannon and I will talk about is whether time has lost its value as a currency. Now, I know you, you'd love to hear more about me in pursuit, but I'm sure you're really here to hear about Shannon. Shannon, introduce yourself, please, and thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks, Jen. It's great to be here and super excited for the next hour or so to talk about something that is both The most exciting innovation that probably is going to impact our function, perhaps in many of our career lifetimes, and also one of the most frightening. And so I think we can get in to a little bit of both of those things. From my perspective, I also hope that people leave this call thinking that maybe asking their firms as part of an RFP how the firms are thinking about artificial intelligence and large language models in the context of doing work for us as clients is one other thing that we start to add in as we think about ultimately driving efficiency that's important for our shareholders, for our customers, and in the case of Moderna, for our patients. So I'm Shannon Klinger, I'm the chief legal officer of Moderna. Hard to believe I've actually had this role for two years now, two years as of June 1st. Before that, I was the chief legal officer at Novartis, and that's actually where Jim and I met. So we, in full disclosure, were an early adopter of Pursuit, in large part because it was a technology that I thought helped us significantly drive our diversity an inclusion agenda from a law firm perspective. And when I moved to Moderna, it was one of the first things I brought with me here for that reason and for many more.
0: Fantastic, Shannon. Now let's set the scene and at least at a high and not technical level. What are we talking about when we're talking about chat, GPT, AI, language learning models? We hear all of those terms. Can you set the scene for us a little bit? What are we actually talking about?
1: A great question at its fundamental core, AI is an algorithm that uses computers and software to absorb, process, and output data and information in a different way. What's great about artificial intelligence is that it learns. It uses the result of past experiences. And by using those past experiences, it can infer relationships and it can make predictions. It also adapts. It offers the potential for the complete elimination of human involvement and certain complex business practices, because you continue to do the same thing over and over again. Now ChatGPT is a subset of artificial intelligence. It's what's called a large language model. Quite simply, it's there to process language. It's not the only one. You may hear Bard, you'll see what Bing is doing, Microsoft is coming out with its own equivalent that'll lay over the Office 365 environment. But at its essence, it allows us to put a bunch of text and data, words, into the algorithm and ask that algorithm questions that might make our lives much easier. It can summarize documents, it can draft policies, and I think we'll get into more of that. Just for a frame of reference for this audience, according to UBS and Yahoo, ChatGPT is the fastest application to get to 100 million users. It did that in two months. Compare that it took nine months for TikTok, 31 months for Instagram, and 41 months uh, for Pinterest to get to that same number of users. If you are not using it already, pretty sure your teams are. And so let's figure out how we use it in the right way.
0: together. And on that note, and let's bust right in. So you said, of course, you were the chief legal officer at Novartis. June, 2021, you made the move to Moderna, which was of course propelled by the pandemic to become probably the fastest startup or scale-up pharma company the world has ever seen. And you were an early adopter of pursuit. So innovation is in your DNA, if I can say that. Now, what was the kind of the aha moment a couple of months after you saw ChatGBT? What was it for you and how did you think and why did you think we need to learn how are we going to leverage and use this as part of the legal function? I'd love you to flesh that out for us.
1: It's a great question. Um, actually, I first came across ChatGPT when I was in Nairobi earlier this spring. And is building a plant there in partnership with the government of Kenya as we really work uh, to make sure we democratize our technology on the continent of Africa. And then talking to our law firm, they're giving me legal advice and they start to explain to me how they're using ChatGPT to start to outline what they need, also from a US law perspective, as we're doing these very complex transactions. And I sat there in relative disbelief that in essence, what sounded like Google was gonna start to give legal advice to foreign lawyers to help them really understand the landscape and and what they needed to do to better serve me. And so I came back, started to do a little bit of investigating, and it was really during that experimentation as we're building and scaling this company, there's so much infrastructure we don't have. And I'm sure for some of you, you're sitting there and that you had less infrastructure, but trust me, there is a point where a few policies and a few complex processes would actually be helpful to enable your business to be executed in a controlled way. So we needed to create a conflict of interest policy and literally just for fun. I had our compliance team ask ChatGPT to create a policy. No confidential information was put in, in into the public instance of that. We can talk more about that in a minute. In six minutes, it came back with a conflict of interest policy, which we then compared to what we had understood we should have had. And we changed five words. Now, as we're scaling and building, we do have some consultants around who are helping with policy frameworks and other things. And we calculate that we saved about $15,000 because this project morphed into more policy work that we used the LLM to help us with, but also saved 50 to 20 hours of the particular compliance associate in our team who is going to be responsible for drafting that. And Jim was really in that moment where I realized that this had an abundance of use cases for the kind of work we have to do every day in a legal function and as part of the legal team But that's not necessarily the work that engages our team. That's the work that has to get done at the price of admission. How do we automate and think about that differently? And so I asked it as I started to figure out how to leverage it. You know, I've got to explain to my board the concept of a markman. hearing. This is a hearing you have in intellectual property cases to start to define how claims are construed in a patent. It becomes the basis of your case. And it wrote an eight-page slide deck for me, which, again, didn't actually have to change too much because it was absolutely accurate, which was unbelievable. And the last thing we we did, and this is in the same week where I, my mind is being blown with how we can leverage this technology, is there's a lot of evolving regulation around around ESG. And so I asked it to summarize for me where Europe was and, and where the U.S. was a country, but also individual states. And we got a memo back that was almost the same memo that I'd received the week before from one of our law firms. And so it really opened my eyes, Jim, to the fact that if we're not leveraging this technology, we're missing a tremendous opportunity on a number of dimensions.
0: Yeah, there is so much to unpack just in those examples, but, but I, I wrote for myself a list of the kind of work, the drafting of letters, memos, emails, policies, handbooks, procedures, contract terms, term sheets, responses to FAQs, training presentations. I mean, that is an enormous, and it's only the tip of the iceberg but it's an enormous example of the kind of application that we're just starting to learn right now. Okay, now you touched on, and we're all lawyers, I think most of us lawyers are all thinking, the first thing we think about, oh, hang on, what are the risks here? Privacy, security, confidentiality, chat GPT, hallucinations, we've all heard of that. How do you think about risk and managing that risk when, when using technology, unlike ChatGPT.
1: Yeah, I think with every risk, you also have to think about the opportunity. And so there's probably four categories of risk that I, I worry about as the chief legal officer for Moderna, both for my own team, as we're using large language models, but also for the broader organization. I think the first one to your point is the hallucination or the need to fact check and just assume it's directionally correct. That is, it's great maybe for first drafts but we still have an accountability to make sure that we get that output right before we use it more broadly. But even more importantly, we live in a digital age where so many of us are used to just putting a Google query and to just being a bit less responsible with some of the data that we have. And so in the public instance of ChatGPT, for example, it's public. So you could put intellectual property into the public domain and you've seen patent leakage cases already for enterprising employees around the world who thought that might be a good idea to summarize a potential patent and have seen some of their key intellectual property out in the in the public domain. And so I think it's, it's really critically important in terms of those use risks. How do you set up a policy for your department and, and sort of also for the company? What kind of information are you comfortable using the public instance or ChatGBT for, or any language, large language model? And there's a lot that we do, frankly, that is summarizing a lot of things that are outside of our company, inside for ourselves, for our board, for our management team. Second, can my chief information officer create a private instance? And that's what we've done. So we've worked to create an instance of ChatGBT that is behind our firewall and that does not communicate with the outside world. And while it lags a little bit, the updates, because we have to go then back out and update it so that it continues to learn as the large language model is learning more publicly it allows us to use that differently internally. That is, I can summarize a 70-page supplier agreement that comes in and ask it for the key five terms rather than have one of the people in my department or even procurement tell me what the key terms of of an agreement are. I think the next thing is regulation. How is this going to be regulated? And we're seeing in artificial intelligence the same patchwork kind of regulations that we see, for example, in data privacy. And that is you've got regulatory enforcement in EU, and UK, in the US, but because we as the US are not just one body, it's actually being driven by different states like California, like New York. And a lot of what you read about enforcement is, of course, in the use of artificial intelligence. Is artificial intelligence contributing to bias in hiring or employment practices, for example? And so I think there's a lot we need to continue to watch and monitor, both in terms of the external regulatory landscape, but also internally. How do we want to use it? And how do we have an ethical approach to the use of artificial intelligence more broadly? The one I'm most worried about right now is intellectual property, because I think it is so easy to inadvertently get things out in the public domain that are critically important to enabling your business and to protecting. And so we spend a lot of time talking about what good looks like, what can't happen. And that's why we actually locked down the external version of ChatGPT and created the internal version to actually just help people stop from making some mistakes that could, in the long run, hurt the company.
0: So so if I turn the question around a little bit, Shannon, as a Chief Legal Officer, how do you think about the risk of not leveraging AI? Mm -hmm. And and what will your advice be to other CLOs out there? Lean in now and kind of work it out or or sit on the sidelines and and see what happens?
1: Yeah, I I don't think that, as chief legal officers we can sit on the sidelines and um, one of the things that struck me the more i experimented with the technology is good in a way a lot of what we do is the last bastion of professional services that had yet to be truly disintermediated by technology yeah. and so the more i started to play with it the more i realized it's not going to be too long before some of our favorite consulting firms are going to our boards or to our ceos and saying we can give you 30 40 50 percent cost savings in your legal spend because we can completely restructure the way of working we can automate all of your contracting and all of your regulatory surveillance and so much of what your legal department's doing and we can do the same thing as we're thinking about your legal spend and really driving the use of artificial intelligence and we'll do that for 10 percent of savings and, and i don't know many CEOs who wouldn't jump at the opportunity to drive efficiencies in a space, frankly, that a lot of people don't understand. But for me, it goes beyond cost and sort of this fear of having someone else um, tell you what your future is going to be as a chief legal officer in your department. I see it as an amazing opportunity to lean in and both attract and retain key talent. When I think of my own career journey, there are things I do not like to do. I never thought drafting a confidentiality agreement added any impact or value to a business, which is why here at Moderna, we actually automate them and don't look at them. I'll wait for the next big litigation over a confidentiality agreement. But but I do think um, those are tasks where it's hard at the end of the day to go home and say, what value did I drive today? And there's a lot of work that is a low and medium impact work that really does lend itself to being automated. And even things that, like compliance monitoring, like thinking about risk in a very different way. Certainly a lot of contracting. if you can program our algorithm to highlight the provisions that really matter to us, I can process third-party paper a lot faster. And so rather than continuing to push that you have to contract on my company's paper and go weeks and weeks and weeks around clauses that literally do not matter to us or to our teams, but where we dig in anyway, because we let perfect be the enemy of the good, I can now use this artificial intelligence to select what are the things that we really care about. And how do we drive more quickly to get to resolution? That makes us better as a contracting counterparty, but it also, let my team move on to the things that are strategically important to them, whether that's pricing, whether that's market opportunities, whether that's figuring out how do we today do an even better job of delivering for patients. Shannon,
0: am I putting it too high if I say, in one sense, it's actually a question of survival for the in-house legal department? And certainly incredibly important for being able to attract and grow great talent. Is that too strong of a statement?
1: I don't know if it's too strong. Maybe it's not strong enough. I think it's always been an incredible privilege for me to be someone who practices law. I think it's the greatest profession in the world because of our ability in-house to work across business units, for example, and drive tremendous impact for people. And again, in our case, for patients. And I think we have an obligation in a way to make sure that we are bringing our best selves and all of our talent to bear on the problems that really need that higher order judgment and thinking, right? And I think that's, you know, we've said a lot, um, probably for 20 years, you know, how do I demonstrate value as a legal department? And, and how do I explain to the CFO that I'm not a cost center? but I'm generating revenue or I'm creating ways that I can lean in on metrics to show that I'm really valuable, well, the best way actually to add value is to be in the trenches on those really difficult in the gray area business issues and be part of a solution that ultimately delivers something really cool for the business. And then one of the rate limiting steps there is time. And if employed appropriately, I think AI and, and large language models finally give us an opportunity opportunity as in-house department to own that future of dedicating ourselves to driving impact and taking once and for all the work that we've had to do. But now we maybe can avoid in a way so that we can redefine actually our value proposition in the corporate ecosystem.
0: I have to say, Shannon, from what I've seen in the last six months or so in my experience around let's say adoption of technology by legal generally, it has felt like it's been a question of choice, perhaps a question of timing. I I don't think I've seen an accelerant of change in the legal profession as strong as I've seen in the last few months since ChatGBT, but both in terms of the willingness to change, the adoption of technology, the mindset of lawyers. I mean, just if I think about, this webinar where I was hoping we might get 20 or 30 in-house team. So 1,500 registered, I can see well over 750 are on this. So clearly this is something which is top of mind for the legal profession. And I mean, we're at the early days yet, but navigating, collectively navigating our way through um, is going to be critically important, but I'm with you. I don't think it's a question of let's sit on the sidelines and see what's going to happen, I think in a guarded and responsible way, I think there is actually a duty on, uh, and we'll come to law firms in a second, but certainly in-house teams, and to be able to, as I said, to protect themselves as well as be, be at the forefront of demonstrating how they're now delivering value, having kind of automated the, what we'll call just the more basic or the business as usual things. And so when when you think about your and your team's day to day and the impact that it's going to have, how do you think about it? You're on know, six months, 12s. How do you think about that and the impact of AI, of language learning models? Tell me about that.
1: Yeah. So I think Moderna is a great case study in this. Yep. With one product today, we're likely going to have five products in five years. We are a company that's first commercial sale is December of 2020. And and people can see sort of what's happened from a from a growth and evolution perspective. But there's still a lot that we need to build to enable the company to execute completely on both its research and development and its and its commercial priorities. The challenge is how to build it differently. You know, so many people on this call, and this is certainly my experience at fire companies, you are trying to figure out how to strip out bureaucracy and process to be more efficient. To drive that engagement that you wanted for your legal teams. But it's really hard when you're overcoming decades of this is how we do it. And so the challenge, quite bluntly, that I've put to my team is how do we build a business that is expected to scale in a number of dimensions at least 3x in the next five years without adding a single headcount going forward? And how do we do that in a way where it is not about reducing headcount, which is why I framed it that way? It is about preserving the base and taking the Sophistication of the work that the team is doing today, and sometimes the very work itself, because I may need to move some layers to support the commercial business in Europe, for example. So I've got to reskill and upskill people. But how do I use technology to be able to do that? And I think it's critically important how you talk about this. I think tone at the top super important, both from us as chief legal officers, but more broadly from management teams, because part of what this does is. You know, if you think of another instance of AI, there's something called conversational AI. That, for those of us who do any shopping online, is your chatbot that just shows up and says, hi, yep. can I help you? You do the same thing across policies, across contracts. You can create much more self-service in the generation and negotiation of contracts, where there's a lot we could get out of. But it's not to reduce headcount and it's not to save costs. In my view, it's how do you redeploy people to have even more impact. And so you have to start with what is the change management you need. And and I took my team offsite two weeks ago and I shared with them in advance of the off site a number of articles. We'll send a few after this webinar that are specific to legal that really helped me put into context how I think about AI and, and llms in in the context of legal. And it blew their minds because we had one, you know, I have ESG, I've, you know, got I've got intellectual property, I have corporate security, I have global health, I have ESG. And in each of those areas, I was able to find an article in the last four weeks about how AI and elements can can help you think differently about doing the work. And so by coming in and saying, let's learn together, then we had a live practice session for an hour. And you should have seen the faces of these nine lawyers on the leadership team who there's sort of these aha moments all the way around the table of wow and then i think you just keep leaning in so now we all have a shared goal to create and implement at least one significant process here to go where we're leveraging this technology where we're shifting the work we do to a different level and and i think it's just one step at a time but it you've got to drive it from a culture change perspective
0: yourself and shannon that's actually a, a good segue we, we did the very thing same thing ourselves a couple of months ago where i challenged the pursuit team to really solve a problem, an important problem, on the Pursuit platform using ChatGPT.
1: If you, so I have ChatGPT also on my home phone and use it for interesting things personally. So there's a question, you know, are you saying every query you put into ChatGPT is public? Absolutely. So the way that OpenAI works is they leverage all of the queries around the world to teach the model, to learn the model. And so you should have zero expectation of privacy in using the private the private instance of ChatGPT. I think it's helpful with what Pursuit has done, of course, and saying we're not going to share it, we're not going to, you can sort of say we're not going to use your company's data to train our model, we're going to delete it after 30 days. But personally, and I just have to be a little risk averse, for corporate sensitive information, and there's a lot we use it for, and I'll talk about that in a minute that was a question where it's at corporate sensitive, we're still super cautious about, about what we're going to, what we're going to put into, into the, any instance that can be public. I mean, you could technically violate confidentiality agreements inadvertently, even by asking the public instance of chat GPT to summarize the agreement that you might have with the third party. And so I do think you have to be um, careful there. Open AI is kind of what it sounds like. So it's open access. And so with your IT department, there are ways to create an instance where you kind of, I'm not a technical person. So for those of you who are, please forgive any of the mistakes in my simple explanation. We basically import it in and what that state was at the time we bring it in, and then we lock it off so it doesn't talk outside. And then we have APIs that can be used to update it. Um, We're still working through refining that process, which is why we're still taking um, a relatively cautious approach right now until we finalize that truly insular version, it's mostly insular, but we still, for example, would not put company confidential sensitive information, even in our internal version right now, because there are those moments in time where the API is talking externally that could prevent leakage. I believe it's a matter of months before you can do a true enterprise instance. And whether it's OpenAI, whether it's what Microsoft is working on across the Outlook environment, whether it's Bard or Bing, this will happen because it's a business imperative to figure out how you can use the technology and not, not have a security risk. But I I just would, again, urge caution because it is all out there in the public domain. And in terms of use cases, there's a question, you know, what are you using it for? We've talked writing policies. We've started to use it to create templates. And actually, as some of you may have large legal departments, what you find is every lawyer has their favorite template for the same agreement. We're using it to harmonize our templates and to point out where the difference is really, and to really force that don't let perfect be the enemy of the good because the more clean my templates are, the faster I can negotiate. We're doing contract summaries, looking at third-party paper that comes in. Again, my goal is eventually not to need to be on Moderna paper. We could go as fast with a 3rd party's paper as we can with ours. And I think that that's super helpful. ESG data collection. So we're leveraging it internally. There's so many sources of information we need, whether it's environmental, whether it's on the the social side from an HR data perspective, whether it's on the governance side, all resist in a number of exists in a number of silos across our company. We have a platform that lets us pull all that in and aggregate it um, and then also validate it because you want uh, a lot of times independent assurance on that data. We're looking now to use it for jurisdictional overviews. So where we do use the external incidents, you know, tell me about, I need to make a, a separation agreement in Japan. What might that agreement look like and we use it for a lot of our first draft you know what we're seeing is we're reducing the spend with our external counsel because we've done the same thing to our firms that we're trying to do to ourselves which is we should never do a first draft of anything if we believe in the way this technology works we should be revising and same thing with law firms and so you know as Jim and I talking maybe that's a good segue into law firms. I think this is the most transformative technology for law firms because now value becomes a very different equation i think on the upside first or fifth year associate work in many silos and many functional areas just went away because that is a lot of your first drafts downside and i think something we all have to take on as a community how do we train the lawyers of the future if you if you don't have that opportunity to go to a warehouse and and, and hang out in dirt rooms with snakes, as was my experience as a young lawyer or Jim, I think you had an experience with rats. You know, we're talking about how do you train litigators if you start to take all that work away and automate it? And I think that'll be a big challenge for us in terms of our talent pipeline. But I think law firms will have to think about value differently because time is no longer the right proxy for value. It's the impact of the expertise. And so we may be in a third dimension. When you talk about, the billable hour. And I think there's still places for that. Whether you're talking about fixed fees or AFAs, or whether you're talking about something else that helps us approximate how do we share value in our ecosystem, we're going to have to start to have that conversation now. And we're already doing it. Uh, We're about to launch our first preferred firm program. And we are requiring all firms who are part of that to have an AI and LLM roadmap to tell us how they are going to disintermediate themselves. It is becoming a point of differentiation. We'll figure out the value, but we absolutely should be able to figure out how to deliver together legal services in a, in a, in a different way.
0: Shannon, I think I did a blog a month or two ago. So it was, it's was it been Pursuit's mission, as you know, to kill or substantially slay the hour, which is really all about not using time as the currency to value your firms and manage your matters and your law firm relationships. I think we've been absolutely gazumped by by language learning models like ChatGPT, because suddenly it is absolutely clear that time is no longer a currency of value. Just the just the few examples that we've seen that you've talked about. And again, they're only going to exponentially increase. And all the problems you've talked about too, around training and so forth. But the question of redefining value in law firms. Redefined. Well, law firms together with their clients redefining what value actually means. Certainly, I I think the pursuit vision is that it's going to really focus on the outcomes rather than the time to achieve those outcomes. Because as we've seen, time has just been completely, completely debased. I I mean, I've even thought about do, do all in house teams now update their law firm billing guidelines? To say, these activities you no longer can charge for, drafting, chronologies, documents sorting, document collation, all of the routine stuff. I think that, that entire relationship, your billing guide, I think they're out of date. I think everyone has to revisit and say, what am I now prepared to pay for? And what is my expectations of my law firms? And there's no doubt the law firms are just will be figuring this out. But they will be driven, Shannon, by chief legal officers like you demanding that a new kind of a new currency value.
1: It's interesting because when you think about legal services providers, particularly in the context of deals and litigation, people thought that would never happen. I don't know for those of you who are roughly my age, and we had so many fights with law firms 10 years ago of, well, you can't possibly delegate document review to a, a Cilio, right, or or another independent company. We can't provide the same service if we don't have eyes on documents all the time. And now it's a matter of course. In fact, I get sold by firms who say we're really good at working with legal service providers. And so I think, as with everything, the fastest app to 100 million users in two months, this will have the same impact that we saw LSPs have in our our in-house world, but at 100 times the speed. Because if, you know, All of us are here because we're thinking about two things. How can I become more efficient? And I hope we're thinking about, and how can I give my teams the work that they want to be doing every day so they can come in and be the best version of themselves, driving incredible impact? Because that's what we all want. That's that's what our our job is. So, Jen, there's a few other super interesting questions if you don't mind me interrupting whatever you might have.
0: Let's do that. I want to make sure too. we just have 30 seconds. We can do just a just very quick poll in case anyone wants to learn more about, we have a webinar coming up on um, the proposal analyzer, or, or just you want to know a little bit more. Just click yes, if you do, and we can shoot some details out. So we'll just leave that up for 10 or 15 seconds or so. And then we'll jump into the questions. And I think, awesome. Shannon, will have about 15 to 20 minutes on the questions and that will be great.
1: <laughs> Let me skim through some, because I think, and then Cynthia, you can see if we missed anything you think is relevant. Super interesting question. From an IP point of view, who owns the content, the work product, the documentation, the designs, the algorithms produced with the help of AI? In case of Moderna, for example, if there's a new drug that was designed with the help of AI, could Moderna still patent it? Um, This is an area of law that we're all going to get to watch. Human-assisted or AI-assisted drug development is still patentable. There was just a case that came out recently on that, but there's a lot of question coming out of at least the US PTO of how we're going to think about patents more broadly when something is exclusively and 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 created by AI and by algorithms. And so that's why, to my point about what's the thing I worry about the most, I think I mentioned by P, it's for that reason. I think we just need to be very thoughtful about how we leverage uh, algorithms. We do it, and this is information you can find on our website. We leverage AI in in drug development, because we're largely a platform technology company masquerading as a pharmaceutical company and how we think about messenger RNA. But we're also, I don't believe we're at a point yet where the artificial intelligence is nuanced enough and educated enough to actually replace humans. I think it augments us to be better versions of ourselves. Give you an example. I, a year ago, asked someone, do you think we can draft patents using AI? surprisingly when i talk to the patent team no we've got scientists and there's technical terms and you can do it right so what we're discovering is whether it's 65 of the patent a good chunk of a patent can be drafted if you have access to the electronic scientific information and some of your electronic regulatory information there's still a ton of work for our patent lawyers to do and and we've got an amazing patent team here at Moderna. but if we can figure out and we haven't yet how to tie all these systems together and make this happen What I can do then is have them spend even more time on the claims that are going to matter from a competitive perspective when we want to go out and enforce intellectual property that's related to our innovations, right? So time even in-house becomes a different kind of currency. I start thinking more about impact than how how I'm spending my time. I love the question or the note, a great place to learn about ChatGPT is just to Google it and it'll take you to AI. As a joke, I had 15 minutes, Monday or Tuesday of this week, And I just prompted the AI to say, what should I talk about if I'm doing a webinar on chat GPT and and LLMs? It spit out three pages, talked about use cases, including some public use cases. I don't even know if they're true, but how some firms are automating contracts, how some people are are looking at risk. It thought I should talk about culture, like how can you drive a different culture, both in your legal department and across the business? How does it break down silos? How does it empower people? It took time and and it took six minutes for it to spit this out. In the six minutes that it was working, it took time to point out that it is not to replace lawyers and legal professionals, but rather to augment and allow them to do higher order work, which is exactly what I've been saying about it to Jim. Right. And you know, it came up with an opening quote and a closing one, which I will actually use to close, which is dead on relevant. Was it in my voice? No, could it be if I started to feed it my talking point? Maybe if we could feed it this webinar and it could take the text, but it was pretty amazing as that frame at the start. So I agree, if you have questions about it, ask it. What's next? There was
2: a great question, Shannon, that came up regarding how you are managing your employees in terms of accessing the public version, or are they being kind of pushed towards using the, you know, the private version of it? Do you have any
1: restrictions, Moderna, at the moment? Yeah, we are locked down to the public version. You cannot access it from a Moderna device. We encourage people to experiment personally, and we do a lot of training around, and what does that mean? But we're starting to think about what do we want to put around AI also from a policy perspective and not to create a, a lot of bureaucracy, but really, how are we overseeing it from a board and a management perspective if we really believe it's going to be pervasive in our business? How do we put good governance about around it? Because at some point, people are going to ask us to do that. So let's get ahead of it. How do we have a risk management program? So we actually, even in our private instance, can sort of see what people are pushing And can have a little bit of policing over what those queries are and make sure that we're not putting inadvertently anything sensitive, even into our internal space when you've got that uh, momentary update from an API perspective. And we look at it from legal business and operational risk perspective. Um, We're trying to socialize use cases quite broadly and get people thinking about how they might be able um, to use it so that we're giving people tools to think differently, but also that helps define sort of where we want to be and and where we don't want to be. And, you know, as I said, we're not putting IP into it right now. We're not putting proprietary code into it, although I'm not an IT person, but apparently it can do great things in coding and is already revolutionizing that space as well.
2: So in terms of
1: which AI to trust,
2: Shannon, do you have any specific criteria that you're thinking about? I mean, everybody knows about open AI, but there there are tons, there are alternatives and no doubt there are more to come possibly some, you know, there was a question about which are the ones that are focused on the legal industry specifically. What for you would be key criteria in deciding which which AI to go with and put your trust in?
1: Yeah, so one, I would be open-minded because there's four or five leading today. And I listened to a talk by a VC guy yesterday, and this is the fastest growing area of where money is going and starts are coming. It's like 200 new startups in the last 30 days, all who claim to be in the generative AI space. And almost all of them are getting funding when so many of us in different parts of the of corporate industry are not getting funding. I'm going to put an article just so I don't forget it anyway right now in the chat. And the article is called The Implications of ChatGPT for Legal Services in Society. It was written just a couple of months ago. What I love about the article is it starts to highlight some of the differences between current generative AI models and sort of telling a little bit about what's the difference, for example, between ChatGPT and BARD And I just play a lot with it at home in things that don't matter from a confidential information perspective, but just do you see the capabilities advance? And I think you will from, from AI to AI, strong partnership. And we haven't mentioned this. I have an amazing digital team here at Moderna. Some of whom actually may may be listening in and we're super excited to partner together in this. And it's another opportunity if you think about culture, so often people think legal departments are the department of no. And I 100% would get while well, people on the phone are like, just keep it out. It's complicated. I don't understand it. And I don't trust that people who work here are not going to screw it up. That's a reasonable expl- or a reasonable approach to take. But there's so many more opportunities you can figure out how to partner with your digital team. You know How do you come together to actually recreate your business model? And so I can't commend enough, like really getting in with your digital and IT teams, co-creating the operating roles, any policies that you want to put in place, use cases. I, mean, I hope my digital team would say that we are the ambassadors right now within Moderna for wanting to completely reinvent our ways of working using technology. And quite humbly, I could not do it um, without all the talent. And so a huge shout out um, and recognition that none of what we've talked about works and, unless it works in partnership with the amazing support teams that we all have on our digital IT side.
0: And certainly, Shannon, your, your point about the pace of change, the pace of investment—I don't think a day is going by without us seeing a new announcement. But in legal too, I think that only today, Thomson Reuters and Microsoft announced their partnership, where you know things like I think Westlaw and so forth is now incorporated in Microsoft Copilot. So you will, see this space will change literally daily, and and new products—some good, some not so good—but all improving I think it's uh, you're going to see an incredible acceleration of change and I think it's going to be difficult to keep up so I would absolutely be keeping an open mind and making sure you're actually linked in to you know sources of where those change are because there's going to be multiple I would have thought that satisfies each of your individual use cases and there's no doubt going to be dozens of use cases that are you know, just listening listening to this webinar so
1: oh, some great couple more great questions. Outside counsel, I think the place I see it used most is in deals. And I've seen law firms actually just even a couple of years ago, using artificial intelligence more broadly in the context of analyzing information that's in data rooms, you're thinking about a potential acquisition and the target company has 500 agreements and you want to know which of those agreements has a change of control provision. This is an easy way to do that quite quickly. And it's a way we've been able to drive efficiency in, in prior jobs when I think about deals. There's, a, there's another question. Has anyone hired an AI prompt engineer? I spent 15 minutes with members of our digital team who I, I'm not sure yet are, are AI prompt engineers but learning about it. And I actually think this is a new role that never existed before that will have to exist because my initial attempts to use JetGBT like Google work less successful in creating the precision I would like to see. And then understanding how you can put in examples. And, you know, I'd like ask me questions. Do I want to frame this as a Ted talk? Or do I want to frame this as a a webinar or as a panel? What style do I want to use? Do I want to use humor or not? And if you put that all in your query, and that was a long query, it comes out with something that's much more like yourself. So I'm still learning there, but absolutely. I think that's a role of the future.
0: And Shannon, I actually read, I think it was just the other day, I read a quote in an article which essentially said, well, the advice to to lawyers was to learn and become a legal prompt engineer like your life depends on it because it may well. And so that was one view. It's funny. Another view was, look, that the language learning models like ChatGPT are going to get so good so quickly that it's not actually going to be such a high-value skill set. So it's going to be interesting to see. But early days, I would absolutely invest. Even basic investment, understanding how prompts work and what some of the key prompts are. Any other standout questions in the last minute or two?
2: I, I, I don't think we could have a session with Shannon without asking a question about diversity. That was going to be my wrap-up. <laughs> oh, yeah. yep. Shannon, it would be great if you could just talk to us a little bit about how you see this impacting diversity? Is it going to level the playing field? If so, in what way? What can, what should people be thinking about in this context?
1: Yeah, so I continue to believe that leveling the play, playing field is a complex and multifaceted challenge in our industry, where despite tremendous efforts and a lot of good intentions from all of us, we're still not moving the needle as, as quickly as we can. I start with the power of the purse and how we think about ensuring that our engagements with our law firms drive diversity, equity, inclusion, I think the benefit of technology is it may make our profession more accessible to even more people who otherwise may not have thought about coming in. I think it will favor the technology savvy. And so maybe there's another set of skills that we can continue to lean in on as, as our pharmaceutical industry, for example, has done with science, technology, engineering and math and how we drive diversity, equity and inclusion there. There's a lot of really interesting work ongoing right now in AI and hiring. And so are there ways? And there's, of course, an evil side to that as well. And I think that's where the regulators will want to be digging in. But on the positive side, can it help me target an even greater population of the first lawyers, both for engagement, so how I think about law firms, and also for my in-house teams? You just give me access to understand how big our community is. And I think To those law firms that might be listening in to the webinar, at least for for me and for Moderna, how we leverage artificial intelligence has become equally important to how we think about diversity, equity, and inclusion in selecting firms. So lean in, um, understand it, figure out how to use it, join us in driving value. And I think that just creates opportunities for, for a much more diverse ecosystem.
2: So thank you so much, Shannon, Jim. Fantastic discussion! I've been scribbling, and I know you know. I'm I'm sure lots of other people have been taking down notes. It's been it's a discussion that's going to be ongoing. So thank you so much for taking time to share with us today. Thank you everyone for joining. We've obviously recorded the session, and we will be sending out both the recording and the links the links that Shannon referred to as part of the follow up. And keep those questions coming. Please connect with us. I've shared my LinkedIn details. Please connect with the team. And we will see you soon.
0: Thank you, listeners, for tuning into the show. For more, please subscribe to the show in your favourite podcast player. If you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, please connect with me, Jim, the host of the show, via email, jim at pursuit, P-E-R-S-U-I-T dot com. We'd love to hear from you.